We'll, we'll cut this part out. <laughs> oh, this is. We this should is leave this in. Not making it. All right, dude. Well, fucking a. Why don't we? Uh, why don't we start a podcast? Yeah, let's do a podcast today. Let's let's dive into the Symphony of Corrections. And here's your weekly reminder that cables are tone tubes. Thank you all. We've, you know, we're we're just. Ta- I don't know if it's going to make the episode or not, but we're just talking about reaching each other. But we know that we have a lot of listeners, and we love reaching out to you every week. And we thank you for listening with us. Appreciate you and guys. hanging out with us and our our ding dong lizard brains. Follow <laughs> us Instagram, Facebook, subscribe wherever you get your pods. Uh, I haven't put it up yet, but I will by the time this goes live. Uh, a new entry for the GearbudsPodcast.com slash free stuff. Mm-hmm. And that is a super cool soft synth, uh, which is a plug-in called Surge. Okay. And so this synth uh, used to be, uh, it was made by this, this, sing- this single person, I can't remember where exactly, somewhere in Europe. And was a product that you could buy for years and people really like it. And then he just kind of decided that he didn't want to deal with having a company and all the things that go along with that so decided to make it open source and it's on github now and it's called surgeon and it just got this huge ass update nice. uh with all sorts of really cool stuff honestly it's super deep it's a polysynth check Ooh, it yeah. out dave you gotta download it Dude, give, I it will. give it some little tweedles that's awesome man. um i love me some soft synth soft soft serve soft synth i wonder if there is a soft synth called soft serve Ooh, if mm. not you should definitely make that or- Gearbuds, our plug the gearbuds plug in soft serve <laughs> Uh, we've got a little update to the old bad fucking ideas. This is becoming my new favorite segment, I think, actually. Bad fucking ideas. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, a little update to the Great White situation. The singer whose name, again, I'll just never, never learn, has gone on record saying that he will never apologize for, for the show <laughs> that they played uh, where there was just tons of you know video evidence of everybody yeah. standing on top of each other and okay. not wearing masks. He's doubling down, huh? totally doubled down uh also to the surprise of no one the chain smokers held some sort of heard about this. supposedly social distant concert that wasn't at all uh you know i heard people like those... were supposed to be in their cars but then they all just got out of their cars or something yeah yeah totally and, and that's then, not really the band's fault i mean to be fair right i mean there, it's kind of an interesting no. thing like who who's who's supposed to control that you know well, here's the thing. It was in the Hamptons, so instantly oh. my, the the sort of like classist in me is like, "Well, fuck that." And then yeah. you find out that uh, tickets shorts. were it was some sort of uh, you know some sort of fundraiser, and tickets were like twenty five thousand dollars a piece. What? Um, yes, yeah. I don't know that they were all that way. Maybe that was only just like certain VIP wow. packages, but there were certainly tickets for twenty five thousand dollars to see the Chainsmokers in the Hamptons, and uh. that just every 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 bit of that sentence, as much as I want to not feel this way, makes me feel gross. So I'm just. That yeah, I, I heard they were doing some stuff where they were actually like testing people and, or uh, doing at least doing like temperature checks and stuff. I, but see, I don't know yeah. how they then if you're doing all that, how did you not control the people when they all decided to like get together? I mean, I guess what do you well, do? Dude, do you it's have once security, alcohol like, gets involved, everybody right. just stops caring. Just and that's, I mean, that's it, like the point. I mean, everybody it's yeah. it's just the by nature that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't I don't blame people for getting drunk and then feeling like they don't have to distance anymore. Right. But it's just that I guess that's the point of bad fucking ideas is that <laughs> for the most part, we are just uh, we're trying to do too much too soon. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know. I, I don't I, I don't necessarily blame the chain smokers for that, but I cer- I will blame them for a lot of other stuff that I find annoying. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I there mean, was think another one. What there Go was? Ahead, buddy. Sorry, another I cut concert. You off. No, I was there, just going to say I don't think oh. it'd be worth it to see the chain smokers and get COVID. Uh, for no. me personally, not to rag on the band, but I'm sure they're great. But like, I don't know. It would have to be like I was trying to think of like what band would you see that would be worth it to maybe almost get COVID. None, none o'clock. <laughs> okay. I would go to I would go to a drive-in show and not yeah, leave the car, right. you know. But also, I don't drink, so like that's not. I don't have to like. It's not. I, I don't have to worry about those impulses yeah. where you know everyone else that's having a good time and sure. drinking. They're like, yeah, let's be around people because it's like a fun, awesome feeling, right? <sighs> well, they tried to do this in the UK as well. They had their first socially dis- distance indoor show. Oh, um, I honestly can't remember even which artist it was. Some some dude's name that i'm sure people like um they did it at a show it was a venue that i believe holds something like 1200 1250 people uh they limited it to like only 200 or so and supposedly Mm -hmm. everything went pretty well in terms of masks and distance and all that kind of that aspect of things i guess the the reason that it's it's being uh in some ways seen as not necessarily a failure but a, a sign of 
what is to come is that everyone interviewed that has gone with, uh, that was involved with this, the ownership and the, the workers, the actual staff at the venue have all said that because just by nature of having that few people in such a large venue, mm -hmm. which you kind of have to do in order to properly distance financially, it doesn't make enough sense. Right. They actually lost, lost money on yeah. the whole endeavor. Um, so in terms of a harbinger of what's to come for the, the world at large and the live music world at large, the indoor thing is not looking so good. So yeah. this is where, again, we urge you, if you have not already, please go to saveourstages.com. Uh, even if you've already called or sent a letter, they, uh, actually they're about to, there's some now uh, legislation up in Congress that is going to be up for, for vote. And if you call, actually call your con local congressperson, which you can easily find if you go to this website, uh, where we have a much better chance of getting real, changes enacted to make all the places that we love the live venues the places where we all love to hang out and create and and make music in, in normal times mm -hmm. in order for those to survive we actually have to to be active with this so absolutely uh, it's i think the acts are called the uh, restart and save our stages acts we need public support for these to pass if you haven't already please go to saveourstages.com takes like 60 seconds that's so a that's an interesting perspective it. of the um you know, the idea like, you know, people are like, oh, well, we'll just open like the Metro again, but only let like 100 people. In. And you're like, well, you're going to you're going to lose money doing that. You know, yeah. in order to, in order to pay the staff to, yeah. to light, to pay that, that. And this isn't even considering paying the artist and, right. and everything on that side of things to do it right. Yeah, it's just the we, it's just not feasible. So, you know, the, the that's not to say that without government support, it's not feasible, because then if you know, if you if you're making $250, 250 people's worth of money and then right. also have some government subsidy going yeah. on along with it, then we have a chance to not only get people and like once the once this country is able to do that again, you know, which that also remains to be seen. We're talking about the UK right now where yeah. they have really think things way more under control than we do here. So we're not even close to being able to get uh, even 250 people inside a 1200 person venue yet. And without that, these places are going to close, man. That's really, yeah. it's really scary. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't kept up on like, really what the other countries are doing. Like, are we doing pretty bad or are we doing pretty good in the U.S.? Right oh, we're, we're, the, we're the worst in the world by a long <laughs> shot. Shit. It's so bad, dude. Even the countries that were the former epicenters. Well, yeah, like know, Italy was like the big one. Italy, right? yeah. Italy, Italy is all, all uh, the entire, I just saw the entire northern Tuscany region of Italy just reported zero cases. Wow. Well, that's it, good yeah, news. I mean. Yeah, so it is possible. It is, it is doable. We're just really fucking it up here. <sighs> Got to hurry up and go see the Chainsmokers, you know? Yeah, dude. Get to the Hamptons. <laughs> All right, dude. Well, right. save our stages. That was a symphony. And now, and, and th these are just some of my favorite words to repeat. Uh, we're going to kick it to my favorite segment every week, and that's Dave's Docs. Oh, yeah, man. Um, yeah, this it was a, it felt like kind of a short week for me. I was pretty busy, so I had to cram one in here. Um, but I was listening to a podcast the other day, and somebody was talking about, um, <clears throat> they were talking about Black Sabbath. And I was like, it got me thinking, man, like, First of all, I was like, I don't know if, if I've ever seen a documentary about Black Sabbath. Dude, I haven't. And yeah, and I was like, and then I, it really got me thinking. Um, obviously, I watched a documentary about Black Sabbath, but it, it really yes. got me thinking. Um, it was it was an Amazon one. Um, I think it was called like Up Close and Personal or something like one of those really cheesy titles. And um, but it was actually really good. It, it had like it was all interviews with the real band members. They were using licensed music, um, licensed footage and all that. So it was like a legit doc as far as that goes. Um, it was only like an hour long, but honestly, if you're a Tony Iommi fan, it's like a lot of Tony Iommi interview stuff. So there's some really cool, like he talks about some techniques he used. He talks about, you know, the recording process and the writing process and that kind of stuff. Dude. So if you're a Tony Iommi fan, it's, it's definitely a good one for that, man. Um, am I ever dude? And it got me thinking, man, like, I, I know we kind of talk about this sometimes, but like 1968, 1969, 70, dude, Black Sabbath was the heaviest band out there. I mean, right? I mean, yeah. What yeah. was, what was I, I even mean, going on? There was there are a couple other songs and and artists that were doing some things that were pretty heavy. Like I I I, I can't remember. I want to say it was sixty eight or maybe it was sixty nine. Mm -hmm. The song uh, "Hocus Pocus" by Focus. Oh yeah, uh, is, is pretty pretty crazy. There yeah. are some sort of like cheesy moments too with you know weird uh, like falsetto harmony vocals and oh, stuff. Of course, but that yeah. that there are some there are some pretty damn heavy. And then of course, I mean, when did when when did uh when did like uh, the first Deep Purple record come out? Wasn't that was that not until seventy one? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, it was like early seventy. I think later. seventy or seventy one, maybe or something like that. Um, yeah, man. I, I don't were, know. They was, were just yeah, they were doing. If, the if you think shit. about like what music, like you had like the Beatles at the time, and like you had like the biggest bands in the world, you know, were like 
they were you know like even cream was like pretty heavy and shit like that um, well let's see the first couple zeppelin records came out what 67 68 68 was the first one yeah so then so well because the one and two came out in the same year right 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 uh so i mean they're you know that oh, they were dude, still yeah. definitely in like blues world for the most part there there were some but they I were guess, pretty heavy, heavy moments too. but yeah you think it, well, I, I wouldn't say they got to like the proto metal shit yet yeah and that's the thing like sabbath really opened those doors for like yeah just in that darkness too like the lyrics and in in the chord progressions i mean it was just Really gnarly shit for the time, I thought, you know, and just it's really totally. cool watching. Um, so anyways, in this doc, there's a lot of really cool like old footage of them playing. You know, when you hear like War Pigs, it's like, what the mm. fuck was going on, man? I mean, that's or like when you when you actually hear like the Iron Man riff, like, dude, that's a heavy fucking riff. I know it's kind of like played now, like everybody knows. Yeah, it got ruined, but it's amazing. Dude, to, to, to imagine someone actually coming up with that riff and being like, no, this is the part. It's fucking awesome, man. So Dude, uh, so much of that riff too is that super sweet Bill Ward drum beat. Yes, that, like, dude. Almost sort of like draggy flammy thing that yep. he's doing with those the rolls and the kick snare thing. Oh my god, that yeah. song is so good. And it, and as and as good of a bass player as Geezer Butler was, he does talk in the film where he's about like, look, you know, I didn't want to be the guy playing like a thousand notes a minute. Like I was down mm-hmm. to just sit back and let these long notes just drone over the drums and stuff like that. So they just, they really had a unique fucking sound, man. A black Sabbath. Dude, the geese. I was going to ask you about if, if, yeah. if there was any good bass stuff in there. Oh, is, yeah, I, here's a question. Yep. And this is a callback to, I don't know what number episode it was with Mr. Zach Livingston, maybe 20 mm. uh, from Lakeland. Right. And we, when we, and then later when we went and got to go visit the Lakeland factory, we got to, we got to actually hold and check out like Dude, the prototype right. geezer bases and that's the ones right. that were in, in progress for that. I don't feel like we've, we, I don't think we've properly bragged enough about that, dude. That was yeah. so crazy. Yeah, we got to see I, some like, like underground I, I, shit. Well, that's man. Black Sabbath, dude. Yeah, yeah, dude. That that man, you just reminded me of that, dude. That was actually pretty fucking amazing, dude. Like they were doing his custom, you know, his custom base. His sig, be. his sig dog, dude. Yeah, it's uh, and I think it was like a cool like PJ setup type thing, like the split P and the the single coil, maybe. Is I it? Yeah, really maybe it's almost sort of. Like, I feel like the the body is a little more SG influenced. Yeah, style. yeah, it was. It was. Yeah. Yeah, that thing was cool. We don't want to give too much away because maybe they haven't. Uh, no, he plays it, dog. He's it's oh, like it's his base. Yeah, that's nice. why. That's what. So that's what I was gonna ask if you saw any Lakeland in the dock. No, no, it was all because it was all vintage footage. So he was playing a P bass uh, back yeah. then. And he was playing like a jazz sometimes. Um, but yeah, just and and obviously like Tony Iommi and the the left handed SG is just forever, you know, just iconic. You know. Yeah, man. Um, so what's the what's the rating? How many how many uh, uh, whatever of whatever do you get? I didn't. Here's the thing. I didn't expect much going into it because like we we've talked before like how Amazon has these kind of like wishy washy documentaries that seems like somebody kind of slapped them together or something like that. <laughs> yeah, totally. So I wasn't expecting a lot, and I would say this one actually has a lot of cool footage and a lot of cool info. Like I said, real interviews with the guys. I got to give it four out of five Sharons, dude. Sharon. Sharon. Yeah. So Black cool. Sabbath up close and personal available on Amazon Prime. Dude. Well done. I'm, back, I'm, I'm stoked on that. Yeah, man. Back to you for a um, little riff library if you got something for us today. Oh, I got something. Well, in fact, I uh, so I'm going to sh- I'm going to shake it up a little bit because okay. there was something happened this past. I guess it would have been last weekend now at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, Mr. Peter Green, one of my favorite uh, guitar players of all time, one of my most influential musicians for sure on, on my playing uh passed away r.i.p man at yeah. the age of 73 yeah uh july 25th yeah so i decided you know I, i've gone back and i was listening to a lot of his music and such and rather than focus on just one record this week i kind of wanted to talk about the first three fleetwood mac records a little bit mm-hmm. uh and being the ones that peter green uh, played on and wrote so i guess we'll just take it back a little bit for those who don't know already peter green uh was a british blues guitar player uh super famous and tied with the les paul um he played in john mayall's blues band after eric clapton can, dude first of all can you imagine like that he at when clapton left to join to start cream when yeah. he left Mayles blues band blues band and this is the era when people were literally writing clapton is god mm-hmm. uh, on walls and shit can you imagine then being the next guitar player in that band <laughs> Yeah, that uh, was Peter Green, man. Like that was crazy, him. He, he stepped Those in. Those are big then, shoes to fill. Yeah, and then quickly, you know, and and I didn't know about this until until reading. Actually, there was a really good NPR feature about him, uh, article about him. He uh, there at the time. Then people started spray painting on walls. Green is God. Oh, like, really? Oh, that's that's kind of neat. I that's no pretty idea. cool. I didn't know that. So yeah, at a certain point, uh, he decided to to leave and start his own thing. He had um, played in uh, the Blues Break, Blues Breakers, Males Band with. Uh, Mick Fleetwood on drums, mm-hmm. 
I guess the story is Peter Green quit. Uh, uh, Mick Fleetwood got fired for some reason, mm. and then they decided to start a band. And it was actually Peter Green's idea to call it Fleetwood Mac, even though in an interview that I just read, Mick, uh, Mick Fleetwood said that he was like, everyone knew it was Peter Green. Like he was this amazing, wow. not only truly, I mean, guitar god level player but also the singer and he was a freaking awesome singer too had this like super big soulful voice Mm -hmm. so he's like he's like it should have been the peter green band but i he just you know he came up with fleetwood mac and it kind of stuck um and i've got to say also for those who know me or don't uh i i've i've been known to be a little bit of fleetwood mac hater in my life yeah so Um, i was gonna i was gonna mention that because i i knew you were a fan but i didn't know it was like it went that deep or anything. Yeah. I mean, I, so I love, love Peter Green era Fleetwood Mac, but mm-hmm. like just the later stuff that everyone else, this is probably my most controversial opinion. I just have never been able to get into it. I have, I've got, you know, Tusk and rumors on vinyl. Mm-hmm. Like I've, I've properly experienced it. I, 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 I sort of get it, but it's just like, I don't know. Anyways, for how much I love the Peter Green era, it's weird regardless. Yeah. First three records were, um, uh, I think the first one was self-titled, which I, I'll be honest, that's not not at all my favorite. It was very much still just kind of like straight ahead white boy blues band, and which is interesting because that, that's something Peter Green himself up until he sort of um, lost his mind a little bit. Uh, that was something he always struggled with. He always saw himself as this like kind of just like imposter white dude playing black man music. Oh, really? Um, yeah. So in th- that first record, you, you definitely hear more of that. And then uh, which is what is probably the most famous record, the pious birds of good omen. That's number two. And then mm-hmm. the third record is called then play on of those three. I'd say then play on is my favorite in that it just feels it. They, it still had that Chicago blues influence, but it they'd taken it a lot further in different directions and it had a lot more influence on it. And it's, it's, it's much more listenable in my, in, in my eyes. But the reason I had to also include pious birds of good omen is because that record has my all time favorite song on it. What's that? And that is albatross which uh, is a instrumental um, that was right when they had actually, I can't remember their names, but they had already brought in a second guitar player. They got a third guitar player and then Albatross is one of the first, I think they did it as a single and then it came out on this record. Um, but that song, I mean, to, I can listen to it every day and still feel completely gutted and blown away. Wow. And it's just, it's, it's my favorite song of all time. So it's very weird for me that a band that like I'm on record is not liking has my favorite song of all time. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, a particular version of that band. But I mean, you know, they're also on that record is black magic woman, which I think yeah. most people just assume is a Santana song, but yep. it is in fact <laughs> a cover and, and Santana to his credit. He's always given them, uh, he's always yeah. given them proper due and explained that it was this Fleetwood Mac, Peter Green thing. Yeah. Um, but I think if anyone has never listened to this before, listened to this era before, I would go in, in, in fact, you've probably heard, uh, there's this song called, Oh, well, there's Oh well part one and part two. I'd say, Oh, well, part one would be the place to start. It's just this like sort of bluesy, but it's definitely rock riff with all kinds of cool, crazy changes and vocals and going on. Go listen to that. Okay. Um, but after that record came out, it, things started to get a little weird and he, um, he had sort of, nobody really knows exactly what happened, but he had discovered acid and, and oh. sort of got into God and toured the, the States and got, became more, more spiritual. I guess he, um, sort of, I, I don't know if he was schizophrenic or what it was, but yeah. he definitely having started having some serious mental problems <clears throat> and then had like shock treatment oh, wow. uh, and crazy drugs. He wound up homeless for a while. Really? Um, yeah, and then and that's actually I want to remind, I want to mention there. Mm-hmm. I I haven't seen it, but in in my research, it turns out there's a documentary about him called Man of the World. So oh, really? I um I we need to seek this out and, and oh, both watch dude. it. Yeah. Um, I'll watch it. But for next uh, week. yeah, yeah, maybe 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 check it out for next week. But I I really want to see it. The, his story, and then so eventually, I guess the story is that like he did eventually sort of come back around and um, was convinced by people to get off the crazy meds that he was on that were totally killing his brain and mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff. And then he did actually have a career after that where he toured and and um, released some records and, and all that kind of stuff, which I, I haven't really completely dug into myself. But those the like I said, those first three fluid Mac records are just and and the John Mayall stuff is just yeah. also yeah. so badass. Um but I you know I felt like because he also played um perhaps one of the most famous guitars of all time, I should we, we should at least get into that story a yeah, little dude. bit. And yeah. that would be Greeny, his nineteen fifty nine Les Paul Sun you know, first. Yeah. <laughs> uh so I guess the story with that one is he, you know, when when those guitar when when the blue British blues dudes got into those guitars. They were not cool. You know, yeah, they were no, kind of totally. just like unhit. Everyone wanted to play a strat. Yeah. And, uh, so he got the, I guess he got his for what the equivalent of today's dollars, not even back then, but today's dollars would have been 300 bucks. <laughs> and then, so I already explained how he, after the Fleetwood Mac thing, he had like kind of 
come lost lost some of his glory and was starting to get into drugs and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I guess he had, at the time he was uh, he had become friends with Gary Moore, who then you know mm-hmm. went on to be in Thin Lizzy and is real famous guitarist right. in his own right. He sold it to Gary Moore for three hundred bucks or whatever the equivalent of three hundred bucks is because he's like that's what I paid for it. That's what you're wow. going to pay for it. So I guess then Gary Moore played it for like twenty five years or whatever. He also went down on his his luck, decided to sell it. But at that point, that was when it sold for I think it was one point four million dollars at auction. Uh, <laughs> That was like five or six years ago. Then yeah. uh, at a certain point, whoever bought it needed the cash. Kirk Hammett swooped in, and that is now the guitar that Kirk Hammett. Oh, when you see right? him playing a burst. That is Ger- Kirk Hammett owns – it's called Greeny because it was Peter yeah. Green's guitar. I did not uh, know and, that. Yeah, and so one thing to note about that guitar too, you'll see the neck pickup, uh, instead of being like a normal Les Paul where the, the exposed pull pieces are closer to the fretboard, mm-hmm. you know, and like the bridge one that's the expo- exposed pull pieces are closer to the bridge. Yeah. On Greeny, uh, it's actually the neck uh, is reversed. Oh, really? It's the, you, if you look at it, it's you see the pull, piece, the pull pieces are just like opposite of where they're supposed to be. And I guess the story and, – and for a long time, people thought that and, – and the sort of mythology was that Peter Green himself did that and that mm-hmm. was like key to the, the tone or whatever. Sure. Uh, but then Joel Danzig, the guy who uh, started – guitars he's a famous luthier and, and guitar maker got to explore uh, really explore it it was like in the 80s and he determined that it was actually installed that way from the factory it was an, it was a, it was a mistake it was essentially a mistake, right yeah and and it turns out a number of those guitars including one of bonamassa's were all came from the factory that way oh really so, so there's weird, like a and, line and it does change like, the sound yeah well i was wondering about that so is it it's just literally just flipped around there's nothing else it's to flipped it, right? around yeah oh. so you, essentially the 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 uh, magnets reversed right and um, while I play by itself, it will change the sound, but I guess the, the main deal is that when you play in the middle position, right. it kind of does that like stratty kind of honked out, uh, scoopy sound. Oh, no shit. So yeah. Oh dude. Uh, that makes dude, you think, I, right? It makes you think. So I, I don't <laughs> know. I'm not going to put all three of the records on the playlist yeah. on Spotify, which you should all go listen to. Cause there's some cool shit on there, but I will, I'm just going to basically, I'm going to make a Hank's hits. I'm just going to make like my version of yeah. the greatest hits of that era. And cause there's some ripping live stuff. And in fact, at one point he came to Chicago and recorded two live, like live to tape records at chess records. Oh really? Um, yeah. And, and it's, and it's a ton of old blue standards. There's yeah. like a 15 minute version of green Manalishi, which is like probably my second favorite, uh, that, uh, that era Fleetwood Mac song. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll include some of that stuff on there too. Oh, yeah, for man. sure. Get that albatross up there too, for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to listen to it right after this, man. That song. Oh my god. And f- I actually in one of the, um, I, I busted that. I think it was in the Trini Lopez uh, demo I did for CME of that Trini Lopez guitar. Oh, I played yeah. albatross for a while, no and shit, and I yeah. and that of all the stuff I played, that was probably the one that I got the most people reaching out to me. Like, what song is that? I'm oh like, really? That's, that's, <laughs> yeah, it's albatross, baby. Hell yeah, dude. That's All that's right. great, man. Yeah, I'm I'm pumped about library. I, I don't know. I don't know if it's just because of his passing, and I think that happened right. At least I think I heard of it right after we did last last week's episode. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, we heard about it, and then I was like, oh, I hope we actually can talk about this a little bit. So I'm really glad you you chose that one for today. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, yeah. he's he's definitely you know in our world probably I think. Uh, it's not that big of a, you know, it, it's not like he's that overlooked, but I think just in the general sort of music world and, mm-hmm. and, and understanding of that sort of thing, he, I don't think he gets, uh, he ever really got his, his, his full due yeah. for what he, what he brought. Cause God, he's just so good. Yeah, man. Oh, uh, you gotta, you gotta listen to that third record then play on. It's just like, it does, it does so much stuff with the blues, but then way outside of it too. And like a lot, and now there, you can tell it. they're definitely experimenting in the studio and yep. cutting up tape and doing like crazy Beatles shit. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah, cool. dude. Oh, I'm into it. Yeah. All right, all right. That's that's library. Uh, let's get into future gear a bit. Here we got we got some stuff to talk about. Yeah, there's today. a lot of new stuff happening right. A lot now. of new stuff happening. So we're gonna make it through real quick. This is the only sort of new product I wanted to talk about because I don't know if you've seen this. It's called Picasso bow. Nope. <laughs> and what it is is essentially, if you look at it, if if you've ever seen a, like a horsehair bow for a violin yeah. or cello or, or bass it's essentially that but sort of miniaturized and mm-hmm. then um d- 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 instead of just being one-sided of hair it is double-sided and the reason oh. for that is it is designed to be used with the guitar so you play it through uh, the strings have you ever have you ever bowed a guitar before I bought a I bought a like an upright bass one time. Yeah. You know? um, okay. So yeah. you know then like on the upright bass it's got an arched bridge so it's mm-hmm. like kind of easier to get around and, and get the different uh, all four strings you yep. can actually bow all four strings individually when you try to do that on an electric bass or even um, more flat a guitar it's basically impossible to to properly bow 
any string that isn't the high E or the low E string. Okay. Because yeah. otherwise Smart. you're just making mm-hmm. contact with everything. You can play like full chords and that's cool, but to like play individual strings, it's it's it's, it's essentially impossible. And I know it's because for like a couple of years, like a ding dong, we had a song in Probably Vampires where I I bowed it, and, it was, <laughs> and then I and I got drunk and lost it at a show. So oh. <laughs> that, that was when we stopped playing that. Um, but this is designed so that you can actually get in between each of the six That's strings cool. as yeah, well. I dig that. And it's double-sided because then you can play two strings at right. once. And I, I'll, I'll admit, I'm I'm a bit of a, I can be a little bit of a, a negative Nancy about some things. I, my initial instinct was, That's, that's stupid. Yeah. And then when I actually watched some videos and uh, opened my mind a little bit, unlike a Ding Dong, man, it looks super fun and I absolutely have to buy one. You got to get and one. I went to, and I went to buy one and they're sold out oh. and, and they're not for sale currently, but you can pre-order them. I think it's normally like 80 bucks. Yeah. I don't know how long the sale is, but I noticed that it was 65. That feels like a reasonable price. It's like, you know, a properly constructed bow with uh, synthetic horsehair. Yeah, it's not easy to different sorts of. Yeah. No, and it's it's wooden and it's different inlays. I think I, there's one that has a Sapelli. I don't even know how to say that word. Sapelli um, wood that looked pretty pretty cool. And also, oh, I should mention it also has on the base end. It's not just a miniature bow. On the base end, it also has an integrated guitar pick, so you can flip it around in your hand and still like strum with oh, it. Oh no, stuff. shit! I don't, I don't think that I would ever use it that way necessarily. It's a cool little uh, feature, but it's though, a nice yeah. little option. Yeah. So. Picasso oh, dude, I bow. I want it. Yeah. I need to get one. I want you to want. I want you to get one. Yeah. That would can be you? Cool. I just. I mean, because there you can play it with acoustic, and that's super cool, and it does yeah. that sort of that the thing. But uh, I just, I really want to use it with a harmonic percolator in here oh, with some nasty fuzz and a dude. real loud amp dog. Hell yeah, man! Hook that up. I'm with... afraid that all my songs then would have to would have Picasso bow, and then yep. like I would just have to have bows. Everywhere that just now. becomes your thing. Like, there are worse <laughs> things you could have, right? Could we? Could we like somehow combine it with the uh, with the Gizmotron? And like get like a whole world of, of madness going on. You absolutely could, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get Dan, get Dan Lou to to, to check that out. Yeah, Shout yeah, out to our buddy dude. Dan here. I, uh, I it was qu- quick aside. I noticed recently that Ten uh, CC the band. I don't know if you ever gotten into them, but uh-huh. if you haven't, you fucking should. They were awesome in the seventies, uh, and I guess probably eighties for a bit. Um, they have a song called I think it's Gizmo My Way, and it's and it's it's based around playing the original Gizmotron. No shit. Yeah, dog. Oh hell yeah, man! Shout out to Gizmotron. Shout out to the Gizzies. All right. Uh, another shout out here. This is to Black Bobbin and oh, yeah. our good we buddy, Mr. Shelby that. Pollard. Yeah. Uh, well, because that's because today we're recording it uh, Saturday, August 1st. It'll be out the Monday the 3rd. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've officially launched. So he was he did the sort of, you know, uh, I'm going to make it like uh, mysterious and not tell people what's going on. Yeah. Thing for a little <laughs> bit, build up a little anticipation. Shelby knows what's up. He knows how to market. Yeah. Uh, and so it turns out that it's in the future, obviously not right now because we're uh, in lockdown it is going to be a guitar cafe i love it here in chicago which i don't know specifically what that means other than maybe there will be guitars for sale or things that you can play or, or buy or whatever but then also a cafe mm-hmm. and so what they've done now is actually partnered with oh, i can't remember a local uh coffee roaster to start a coffee subscription service that you can get and uh it, on the i haven't tried it because it just started today but i'm sure it's really good coffee and then on the bag it has they're called black bobbin because shelby's a jazz master boy and mm-hmm. that is the like that's the the original jazz master pickups that right. everybody likes are these Pre-CBS. black bobbins yep that's dude so, that's awesome man yeah. um I mean, I, I have to say, I don't think there's any uh, guitar cafes. Maybe Tommy's. I don't know if that counts, but uh, I don't think that counts. I'm really I don't think curious that's more, yeah. to see what he's going to do with it. And and to be honest, I think he's got the market cornered as far as something like this goes. So shout yeah. out to Shelby, man. Good Sh- luck, Mr. Dude. Shelby. Can't well, you know, I'll tell you what, out. we'll get him. We'll get him back on after yeah. uh, after they're fully launched and there's an actual physical place to go to and all that good shit. Maybe we'll do cool. a live episode from there. I, you never know. Oh, man. dude, I would love that. So many options in oh, the future. Yeah. Uh, real quick, I just wanted, I, we sort of touched on this last week, but uh-huh. it was in the middle of a, a much more important conversation, which by the way, if you haven't gone and listened yeah. to episode 66 yet with Mr. Nathan Graham, I, Dude. I, I would never say this normally pause this episode and go back and listen to that one because that was it's better episode, than whatever man. bullshit we're talking about right yeah, now. Right. <laughs> uh, this is, don't get me wrong. This is fine. I'm happy to be doing this, but we just, I honestly feel like we got somewhere last week and mm-hmm. I'm super proud of the conversation we, we were able to I have agree, man. and, uh, Nathan for just being so open and, and able to, to share with us something, something that's really raw and yeah. difficult and painful right now. So, yeah. um, yeah, you know, I know we're just a gear podcast here, but I feel like we got somewhere in, into a conversation worth having, having, especially that second half of the episode. So anyways, 
go listen back to that. But the thing that I mentioned uh, is that I am writing for Reverb now, hey. and uh, it's a freelance thing. And, then, and I'm and I'm excited to have the opportunity that we've you know I've had a relationship with those folks for a long time, mm-hmm. um, and used to write copy for other places. So I decided uh, why not? And so yeah, I, the first episode or the first episode. I'm too too busy in podcast world over here. First article goes live August 11th. Okay, uh, which is about podcasting. So hey. <laughs> there'll be some stuff there, a little, a little bit of crossover there. Um, hopefully get some, uh, get some more earballs on the, uh, on the, on the, on the episodes that we're making over here. And you're here. probably going to have a few more come out after that as well, right? Yeah. I'm, I've, I've got a couple, uh, that are coming after that, that I've already worked on and that's awesome. all that good stuff. So it's, yeah, pretty excited, but you know, whatever, we'll still talk shit whenever there's reason to talk shit. Oh yeah. Kind of like pretend, uh, something's not happening in the world, but luckily they're an organization that I'm actually, uh, mostly you know proud to be associated mm-hmm. with and they and they do the right stuff in in my mind so Agreed. i'm with yeah. it uh yeah that's that uh, oh here's one that really i feel like we've been putting off for a while okay and uh we almost talked about it a couple episodes ago and then didn't so uh you and i actually have both had quite a few questions about the recording process we're using right now yeah uh specifically in the whole uh the whole covid thing because we're not doing it in the same room as one another yet yeah i guess we've never actually talked about our process (laughs) we didn't and we've been doing it since march uh you know we mentioned of course that we're not in the same room but i think you've definitely had folks reach out and i've had folks reach out asking really for like real specifics on how we do it well yeah and i i have to say i think um and i you know i'm a podcast guy i've been listening a lot and i know when they a lot of people do remote ones they'll just do like a zoom call and then record it then you get that kind of bad zoom audio thing so uh, i mean henry i have to say man like it you found a solution for us to sound like we're in the same room and have it you know edited and have it sound great so can you fill the people in on what we do here yeah and and sure and i'll say that you know of course uh, we're lucky enough to be in a situation where, where you also have an interface and a microphone at right. home and, and, and the guests that we've been working with all also have that. It's, you know, we would never, I would never expect someone to go out and buy something just because right. we're having them on the show. But if you, if you already have like a small, whatever, simple at home recording setup, then you can do this too. And really all it is, is it's very simple. I basically just, we all, we have a phone call. So we're Dave and I are talking on our phones right now uh, with just an, one earbud in our ear. You can do that mm-hmm. with AirPods or whatever, if you've got them. Uh, and then we, at first we tried doing it where we we're both speaking through com- the computer, you know, having a phone conversation yeah. that way. And then also recording. And what we found is that for a lot of people who don't have a very powerful computer, that can actually be like super taxing. And one of our episodes uh, early on that had some issues that was directly related to that so yep. uh, we decided to separate it keep you've got your phone you've got your computer keep that separate so in, in one year i've got my ear uh, my earbud and then my other ear i'm i'm monitoring uh with the headphone you know my cans over my one ear pulled back like a douchey dj and <laughs> uh and and listening on the other side so i can hear my voice speaking in the microphone and we all record our voices individually on our own daws mm-hmm. and then when everyone's done they just export their wave files and send them over to me uh, i think the sort of the main part that took a little bit of figuring out was you know it is possible just to get a, a raw uh, wave file from someone and then and then figure out how to sync it up but honestly it's like that's a huge nightmare yeah and very very difficult to do yeah so quickly we figured out the clapping method and, and while that is is really just you know we've all got our phones so uh we get on we get on the line and then i say okay put me on speakerphone and hold the speakerphone up to your microphone and then i give myself a few five seconds of silence or so and i do three claps and then mm-hmm as long as you've got your level set up on your on your microphone properly i'll see those waveforms on your on, on your wave file when you send it to me and then all i have to do is just visually zoom in real close on in in ableton when i'm mixing it find all those those three claps and then just line them all up and then we're in perfect sync yeah um this is where i should also add that uh you know, we've learned this the hard way got to remind the whoever you're speaking with to turn their speakerphone back off and oh, then yeah. put their <laughs> earphone back in because otherwise then you're going to be hearing both and it's just yeah. it creates a huge editing amount of editing work for you and then if any if there's ever a situation where people are talking over each other you hear that and you know just not up to my personal standards so yeah. uh, prefer to do it this other way but it's really worked out man i don't know i feel like as long as like i said as long as you have a little conversation before about setting proper levels you know making your gain your uh your waves reach peak no higher than minus 12 to minus six decibels mm-hmm. and then just getting those files sent over i guess that's the other thing worth mentioning too is then you know of course we're doing hour hour and a half long episodes that's going to be a pretty big file to send yep. over so uh we We've just been using Dropbox or, yep. or uh, Google, Google Drive, Drive or whichever is more convenient. And then 
um, just sending it over that way and then, and then download. And then I just mix and edit like I normally would as if everybody was in the same room. Yeah. Um, but you know, as, as just a sort of technical process, it works. I, I think, you know, if you listen back, <clears throat> listen back to those first few, uh, we're by no means the best podcast hosts in the world here, but it was tough to, we, we had, it took us a bit to figure out sort of the right way to, to have a conversation over the phone and not have visual cues and be in the same room and warm right. up with each other and stuff. <clears throat> That's the trickiest uh, part. I do miss looking into your eyes during these things, but, uh, I'm getting just lost <laughs> in those deep blue oceans. Um, and I was going to say, so, you know, and we had, uh, our, our friend Jason from the Austin all day podcast, uh, reach out, um, to me specifically and asked, you know, he, he interviews, uh, chefs for his show. Right. So in, in a, in a world where, you know, he knows audio and he plays guitar and, you know, he has recording gear and all that stuff, but in a world where he wants to have a guest on remotely, what could you suggest? Or, you know, do you have any ideas for somebody who doesn't have a recording setup to try yeah. to at least attempt to do the same type of process? Yeah, it's certainly, it's a, there's no way you're going to make it sound like this, right? right? So you just have to, I guess, sort of accept that. But at that point, I would ask if they had any other, anything separate to record, you know, if that's just like a little handheld voice memo recorder, um, if that's their spouse or partner or roommate's phone. So what you could also do is just have a phone call like you normally would on your phone and And then use a voice memo app on, on the other phone. I don't believe that it's possible to record, record an actual and phone and have and have the phone call there is software that will do that but you're yeah you're still going to run into the same issue that you're having at that point you might as well just record a zoom call because it's going to be it's going to be that quality sort of output mm-hmm. um, and that's you know there are some people major major popular financed podcasts oh, are dude. doing that right now yeah absolutely um, so if that's your thing whatever that's that's not our thing and and we're we're trying to work our way around that so I, not to belabor it too much, I do think it's it's worth sort of pointing out. But um, yeah, if anybody has any questions about any of that yeah. kind of stuff, we're definitely we're definitely happy to ask or any other ideas too. Right yeah, we're always open to to new uh, new approaches as well. Uh, so. Speak for yourself, Dave. This, I think we have perfected this. <laughs> we we have this locked down. Absolutely, I am not open to having a conversation <laughs> about that. So it is funny though. Remember, um, God, what was that? Was that back in December when we did the Dave Pensado? Uh, one, and we were trying to figure out how to get him on the phone and record it all at the same time. And then we just recorded a Zoom call. Yeah. We, were, we were ahead of the Zoom curve there. Yeah, we were. And it was kind of funny because that was like the first time we actually had to try to figure this process out. That's right. And obviously it became what it is now, you know. But uh, yeah, that was an interesting uh, trial and error that we had going there for a minute. Yeah. Yeah, it took it took a little bit, and we got there. And and I still think, you know, I feel I feel very good about where it is now. Um, but it's just a, it's I guess a little bit of prep work, a little bit of conversation with the guest beforehand, yep. and just asking questions about what they have, if they can get their hands on like a little Zoom recorder or yeah. something. Just to it, a lot of people have a USB mic these days. It's not that uncommon at right. So that's that's definitely you know a much cheaper, affordable, and and something I mentioned in my future reverb podcasting article. Yeah. Way to kind of just get into that where it has the interface built in. All you do is just plug a USB cable into your in your computer, and you'd be surprised. And not only because then at that point, not only do you have something that you can use for being a guest on a podcast, but if you ever I don't know do Zoom calls with your friends or family or anything, you use that microphone and think yeah. everything just sounds way better. And everyone's way gonna better. be like, "Why do you sound so good? Yeah, I, I want to sound that good." <laughs> And you'll look cool with a really sweet mic in your front. Of your oh, yeah, you look super cool. Um, and I was going to say, you know, uh, when I was a ding dong about what, like 10 episodes ago or whatever it was, when I uh, left, when I actually unplugged my um, interface and oh, right, yeah. we used the mic from my Mac and we actually built into your screen. That ended up being like the episode. So, I mean, if you have a Mac or something, those do have that as well. It's an option. I wouldn't recommend it. It probably doesn't sound great, but uh, it is another microphone that you could potentially use, I guess. Yeah, dog, we made it work. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I was I, you God, had some I was editing so confused when I went to edit that thing. I was like, why? I was so why? I thought there was I thought that I had set up something wrong. I was like, what did I do? Like, yeah. I don't get it. Yeah, no, it I, just, I rolled uh, the uh, my wheelie chair back into the, the power outlet and it unplugged <laughs> the uh, interface right before we started the episode. So I had no idea that it was just picking up through the uh, the monitor, basically the mic. Yeah. Total semi pros over here. Total semi pros. Learning, learning as we go. Um, I wanted to uh, switch it up for a second. If we're good on that what one, what do you got? You, uh, you came across some new gear the other day. Do you oh, want to talk oh. about that? Because you know we I, we do have a gear yeah. podcast, and I feel like you know during these times, you know everyone's a little tighter on money. We haven't been buying as much, maybe, or trading as much. Uh, you came into a nice little pile of stuff uh, do you want to tell us i about did that? it was that wasn't that was an interesting experience for sure and <laughs> and, and just real quick it's, i i want to say the maybe people I, I don't know what's going on but to your point about the p- people not buying or selling stuff the gear, used gear market is fucking insane right now i think and, a lot of people, people are, are asking selling stuff crazy money yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, if you look, things are prices are up like 25-30%. Regardless, that's that's a different tangent. Oh, I they're did, going up. I did. You, they're actually higher oh, used to They are. Yeah. Oh, if oh, you wow. look at dude, look at Reverb. That's crazy. If, I mean, you know, they make they have tools so you can actually track the source right, of right, right. price are, and they're actually getting higher dollar. It's kind of crazy. Oh, I haven't right noticed now. that. That's Weird. crazy. Yeah. Uh yeah, so it came into a pile of stuff. So basically stories that um a friend of mine who actually if you if you are that if you are that dedicated and you have listened been listening since episode 1, I believe. <laughs> maybe maybe it might have even been episode 2. I can't remember. Uh back when we had even had a different name for the show. Yeah. We talked about my friend Space, and, and these are my my very close friends, but they were in this room. We were talking about just sort of like setting up your practice space and like making it yours right. and cool and whatever. And I talked, I gave an example of a friend space that, you know, great bands were in there and everything and, and good friends of mine, but it was just like this real dingy, old, weird space in the in a basement that just like smelled real bad. Right, right. Uh, so anyways, um, they're moving out of that space and they reached out to me and said, hey, we've got like all sorts of stuff in here. We're going to, we've already kind of picked through everything that the band, you know, my, my band that's still in here wants, like, do you want to come take a look? And I, and my, I'll be honest, my first thought was kind of like, nah, really? I was thinking, well, here's why, because the, let's see, all of them have, or either currently or have worked at uh, one of the biggest gear retailers on the internet where I've also used to work. Mm -hmm. So I, my thought was like, well, if it is, if it's stuff that like, all they didn't these want. cats don't want. I'm yeah. like, what am I gonna want? And then pile that on top of the fact that, like, I know it's just like kind of like a, a dingy old sort of basement setup. And there's like broken cymbal stands and that kind of shit. If that, yeah, and, right. and frankly, like, I I would have probably been okay with that. And, <laughs> uh, so, but I I don't I don't know either. Maybe it was just because I wanted to see my buddy Josh. Uh, I was like, let's, yeah, I'll come by. That's cool. Let's do it. So it was like a Saturday. I think it was right after we did, we recorded an episode. I went over there, I met him. We're all masked up. And, uh, I'll, I'll say this is actually, this is the the one last little dig I'll ever give about that room. Um, I was actually pleased to have a mask on at that point. Cause oh, the, the smell, the smell was still present. So the smell hasn't changed since you the smell hasn't changed. Wow. Uh, but so I went in and much to my surprise, there was, quite a bit of stuff in there that I wound up taking now because it was all sort of most of it was kind of just like buried in corners and on shelves and stuff I just assumed that pretty much anything I took was like 50 50 chance whether it would work or not right right I am proud to proud to report that every single thing I took I was able to in some way get working oh no shit so I'm just gonna I've got a little I've got a little list of some of the stuff here uh, let's see. I'm gonna go work down right here. So uh, I got uh, an old electro harmonics pedal. That is the LPB2. Which again, for our, our old listeners, if, if anyone remembers when we accidentally trolled <laughs> when we troll posted, <laughs> uh, that was with the EHX LPB1, which is their first effect. It's just a boost and a little plug-in. Yeah. Little plug-in. It sounds cool, but it's it's just a little like plug-in nine volt thing. Right. Well, this is also a 70s pedal. It is the LPB2, which is the same circuit but in a pedal form. Yeah. And uh, when I saw it, it was again covered. And, and it was all rusted up and i was just like i don't think this is gonna work yeah it looked like, like all the stuff like i took submerged in water or something i mean that kind of really looks rusty, like that right? yeah and yeah. and i'll and and i'll tell you that picture that i posted on instagram go follow gearbuds podcast on instagram uh that was a little after a little bit of cleanup i left the stink on as it were yeah um, but like i did i did wipe some of the junk off wow um so i got that dude that's a cool part it up it it works great um uh, the pot was a little scratchy i mm-hmm. just you know sprayed some contact cleaner worked it totally fine nice. you know it's one of those pedals that it was like before the dawn of external power supplies so it just has an internal nine volt battery that's fine a battery in there is going to last for freaking ever yeah. anyways don't forget to unplug your pedals su- yeah don't forget good call uh <laughs> sounds super badass in the front end of that uh balthazar amps film noir 50 so i've been doing a lot of that um all right that was the ehx oh this is this one probably not exciting for most people very exciting for me i got a big ass mackie 1604 vlz mixer oh really uh yeah dude. i didn't know that Oh, yeah, wow. it's and it's and it's like I looked it up. It was a thousand bucks when they were new. I Holy mean, shit. you can you can definitely make records. It's sixteen channels. It's got inserts on every channel. Really nice, clean sounding preamps. Uh, super flexible routing. So the what I I don't know exactly how I'm going to use it. I've done a little bit of experimenting. Yeah. Um, the the mixer we have for our PA in the practice space right now is just like a. It's a six channel, but it's really only four channel. Just a little Yamaha mixer. Yeah. Not much going on with it. You're, right. You remember that mixer. Yeah, sure do. This, I think what I'm going to do is, is sort of integrate this both as the kind of like live mixer so we can run all of our synths and stuff through the PA, but then also set it up so I can easily um, bounce it down to either uh, my interface and for recording yeah. or for one of the other things I got, which is a Yamaha MT50 four track. Oh, yeah. 
That's super cool. That one also looks super fucked up. And I was like, I, I just, that, that was probably the second most one where I was like, I don't think this is going to work, but yeah. I'm going to do, I'm going to try it. It didn't have a power supply. Thankfully, I had uh, the correct power supply at home with 12 volt with the right polarity and voltages and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a little, the, uh, I can never remember the name. Maybe it's capstan, whatever the little thing is where you like, little spindles where like the tape actually goes in was a little bent so i right. straightened that out i took it apart cleaned out the inside put it back together and baby she purse no shit yeah man did you fix the uh like the play button or something was broken off i think or something like that so i f- well um no because it's physically uh broken so the oh, it's actual like mechanism itself yeah it snapped the actual mechanism itself uh works so like i figured out if i just like move that with my hand it plays gotcha uh and it also what i've come to find because another thing in this like on top of that mixer or on top yeah on top of the mixer was just this like random bundle of cables and i was like well it looks like there's some power supplies in here so i'm just gonna grab this whole dirty pile and like <laughs> see what happened turns out um there were none of the proper power supplies in there but there was a little um you know like those little sort of um like square shaped sustain pedals that you can get where it's just like a little momentary switch there was one of those and on the back of the uh the yamaha mt50 uh, four track there is an input for a little switch like that so basically you can punch you can you can do the thing that i can't do with the broken play button i can do that with a foot switch oh no way so I'm super stoked about that. Yeah. And you can control yep. it with your foot, actually, if you want to. And like, you can control. Yeah, so you punch in and out your foot. Which is great trying to do like a quick live recording or, you know, just snap something really quick. That's awesome, man. Yeah, okay. dude, exactly. So I'm going to, I don't know. I I mean, realistically, am I going to make records on this thing? No, but it's, it sounds cool and it's very, it'll be a nice sort of like distortion unit, essentially. Like I'll, yeah. I'll run stuff through it to make it sound nasty and then, and then run that into the actual recording. Absolutely. What else, man? Can you get I, an amp or something? I got an amp. I got a Trainer K4, which is their four-channel, uh, three hundred watt keyboard amp. Dude, that's and crazy! It's fucking awesome. It's got uh, it's like a twelve-inch woofer and then four separate tweeter things. So you can run stereo. You can run four different inputs on this thing. The channel one actually has two preamp tubes, so you can like get some tube overdrive yeah. in it. Um, sounds really gnarly with bass. Yeah, I was gonna um, say it'd be like a little bass amp even. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean three hundred watts. You can three hundred watts. Can is, yeah, that's cranking. Actually. Blast some others. Um, I've got you know I've got a Roland JC one twenty, so I haven't decided. It kind of I feel like it'll got serve a similar purpose for me. Covered right. So I'm not really sure which of those two I'm gonna keep. It I seems like they're is, uh, they're worth some money if it's like cleaned up and everything. Yeah, those the, the couple that are available are between six and seven hundred bucks. Wow. Um, so you know. F- Pretty, pretty decent little pickup there. Yeah, and the Mackie, I think those are in like 250 bucks range right now, but mm-hmm. I'm I'm not I want to keep that for sure. I got an 18-inch floor tom, Gretsch, little Gretsch Catalina, <laughs> nice. which is pretty sto- I'm pretty stoked about because as our 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 friends know, I've before before lockdown, I bought my first ever drum kit right. and um it's got a 16-inch floor tom, so it's cool to have an 18-inch to go with it. It's it's gnarly. In fact, I might even turn it into like a mini kick drum. Yeah, I was going to uh, say it's massive. It's pretty pretty yeah. badass. That'd be awesome. Uh, speaking of drums, got my first ever fancy kick drum pedal, a DW5000. Oh, that was just sit- is, that was in the space? It was in the space, yeah. So what was still set up, and there was like a full... 80s Yamaha drum kit set up in there, mm-hmm, right. um, which what belongs to this dude Pat. He just hadn't taken it yet, um, but all the hardware was up for grabs. So I got that kick drum pedal. I got a Gibraltar hi hat pedal, and then some actually like really nice Ludwig and I can't remember. Maybe it was DW also symbol uh, um, stands. So oh, I really? fully upgraded all of my symbol stands, which were like super shitty before this. Right. And my hi hat stand didn't have a clutch and was like half broken. Dude, you can't um, underestimate a good symbol stand too, man. Like a really cheap one will just like fall over all the time and stuff. Like if you get a nice dude, one, that's that's, totally that's money man that's i mean like any drummers listening to this are oh, like yeah no shit but we're clearly like we're not know, drummers. Fake, fake wannabe drummers <laughs> yeah, that totally. like play play guitar like you know a good a good stand yeah that's the one thing that you want to have <laughs> yeah so i mean stands i got I actually got like in fact you've got a couple at the space i've got i got like a one of like nice heavy metal music stands it's yes. all rusted out but oh, it's, yeah. it works Those are great. bunch of cables uh they're an old band t-shirt a shellac poster what band t-shirt um, uh, what band that used to be in there, the Field Auxiliary, which featuring oh, yeah. both uh, who we've mentioned, Josh, as well as my good friend uh, Dan Smart, that's and, right, uh, former bandmate. Um, but I've kind of I've saved. I mean, that, it's certainly not the most valuable thing, but I feel like I've saved come like a couple of the coolest things for last. One is a Jet City ISO cab, which I actually that was in there, and I, it looked like it was in such good condition. I was like, that's not like available, right? And Josh was like, yeah, I don't know. Let me let me talk to, to Pat. But then it turns out it is, so I, I just still have to go grab that. Oh wow, um, which is pretty 
pretty cool. Because if you'll remember, I used to own an ISO cab and and then I sold it uh, to Mr. Uh, Heath from Rock and Roll Vintage. And then uh, now it's it's an ISO cab. So it's just like a 12 inch speaker and a cab that you run, you know, mic into and you can crank the shit out of an amp and uh, and mic it that way. I'll probably I'll I'll probably sell this one, too, after I don't get any use out of it like the last one. But why not? (laughs) But my my favorite thing, and I think probably yours, is is ridiculous. It's made by a company called Basin, B-A-S-Y-N. And it is a MIDI controller it built in this like big old sort of like Hammond box that uh, is is designed and it's got uh, sort of like arcade buttons on it. Mm-hmm. And it's designed to be played with your foot like a like one of the sort of like organ or, or Moog Taurus foot controllers. Right, right, right. But you can control anything, any synth with it. Um, so I've been playing. I've got that Behringer Model D. I've been playing it with that thing. And it is dude, so fucking fun, dude. That's so cool. Yeah, you were doing uh, – you sent me a crazy video. that I, I was like, you got to post this, man. You're like, I don't know. But I think Maybe. it's awesome, man. I think it's so cool. It's uh, – yeah. And what well, – in that video, I was just playing it with my hands because I mean, right. it's like it's just playing like playing an arcade joystick, which is pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, but because of the sort of like the nature of where my music with with my bandmates going right now, I wouldn't necessarily mind having the ability to just like kick out my own sort of like single note bass lines yes. or like little synth parts or whatever with my foot every once in a while. Yeah, so <laughs> we'll see. It's I you know it's it was a very very limitedly made thing. It seems like. Um, realistically, it's probably only worth like 200, 250 bucks. It's a wacky looking thing, man. It's got, it's like blue with like bright colors yeah. and stuff. It's yeah. Really, I uh, might actually, I might sticker it up if I decide to ever ooh, keep it. Nice. <laughs> uh, but it's just, it's such a, like such a unique thing that is, it could potentially be useful and that I never would have spent money on. And again, right. when I saw it, I was just like, there's no chance this is going to work. And then I've luckily did some research and figured out that the, uh, it's, positive polarity on the power supply which i had to use an adapter for because that one also didn't have a power supply okay um so but i reached out to the company because i can't find the actual manual online like i think there you can sort of switch through the octaves and like make program changes via midi but Mm -hmm. i can't exactly figure out the right way to do that and i can't seem to find the actual like pdf manual i reached out to the company online they have not responded uh are they still like are they still a company basin yeah you can buy you can buy the thing that i have brand new oh so it's um, not like super old or anything like that it's it's at least a few years although the website looks like kind of like it's from the 90s (laughs) it's probably been around since that they also and i don't know if this is still available but they also sold like a diy version of this where you can basically take this and and then build your own sort of like foot mini controller not from them um with you know your own buttons or whatever so yeah i i couldn't believe like of all all that stuff thanks again to to my buddy josh for for even hooking that up did you bring like a shopping cart like how the hell did you get all this stuff man he drove me back. I oh, walked cool. over it and it's right by your house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I walked over, sweated my ass off, and then uh, we just basically I, I decided just to like take as much as I thought I'd use and that would fit in his car. Right. Um But there was is, still you know, probably like stuff a, there. I'm there guessing. was yeah, there were some like there was a like a, a two twelve crate amp that you know could be good as like a practice base amp. Yeah. I just have, I I didn't I would never in a million years use it. Right. There was a, a little like Roland sort of like keyboard amp that I probably would have Ooh. taken, but um it it seemed to be covered in like a fine layer of, of rat shit. So I decided <laughs> just to like leave well enough alone with that one. Fair enough. Um, but I'll admit, like the, the sort of I guess the last thing I'll say about it is, you know, I I myself had rehearsed in that space before. Like yeah. I I've played in there a few times. My old band had played in there when we were like jamming with some of those band members, and I felt. Like, because they're moving out, you know, and I felt a little bit of little pangs of sadness as I was leaving, a little uh, sentimentality yeah. as I was leaving that space. That are they wasn't going to another space? space? Are they breaking up, or what? What happened with the with the group? Well, they're not playing really right now because mm-hmm. of COVID, um, and they uh, also the guitar player, uh, his, him and his wife just bought a house that they can rehearse in. So I, the oh, plan okay. is that if if and when they start getting back together, which I'm sure they will eventually, yeah. um, they'll they'll just play in the basement. Cool. Yeah, dog. But uh, we that means, you know, I, I feel like we touched on it a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but I want to get into it a little bit more. We we have finally, both in, individually, not together, but we have been, we have gone, we've started getting back into our practice spaces. Yeah, man. It's, uh, I might be dragging a little ass today because I, uh, I got, we got after it last night. We had like a four hour jam uh, with me and the, and the Hot Bloods boys with uh, Jay and Charlie. And uh, I got to say, man, it felt amazing, you know, obviously socially distanced as far as we can be in that in that practice space, you know, and uh, yeah, with three people being in there, respectful, I feel like that's that's pretty, pretty you know, doable. Yeah, it was, you know, we had masks and, we, you know, we've we've been tested and that kind of stuff. But um, I, you know, it's uh, dude, it felt amazing, man. I mean, I'm, I'm a little hoarse today because I haven't been singing like that. You know, just like screaming my lungs off into the mic and all that. You know, Petey just, pipes over here. It felt awesome, dude. I really it's. 
like, and I think I was telling you before we uh, started recording, it's, it's kind of one of those things where you forget like the energy that you can pick up from everybody else. And then you come home and you're like, you can't sleep. You're just like up for another few hours. Cause it's like a buzz. It's a total buzz, man. Um, so yeah. And, and I know you as well with, uh, Mark, you guys got back after it recently. So, uh, has there, has there been any like surprises or anything cool or anything that you felt like you, you really missed about it? Oh, well, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I didn't realize how much I missed it for sure. Um, it's we've we've definitely been getting back in just just he and I although um you know I we could we could easily do three or four people in there and still maintain tons of you guys have a huge room whatever. yeah that place yeah is huge. so um yeah it was it's been it's been really good getting back in there unfortunately it's now leading to me uh, hitting the eventuality of needing to buy a second interface because like we're actually starting to record in earnest in there and mm-hmm. like I also want to be able to record at home so right. um, that's opened up a whole new can of worms on, that <laughs> on the bad side, but everything else has been so good. I mean, just, yeah, getting in there, playing, just going, in, I, I usually, I, I try to go in at least like a half hour, 45 minutes early, just so I can fucking bash on my drums for a right. while before, you know, bothering and not getting anything done that way. Yeah. Um, that's felt so good because I mean, you know, I just got that kit and like was able to play it like twice or three times before we went on lockdown. Right. Um, yeah, it's it's been it was a little scary at first. I'll admit, like we you know leaving the masks on and yeah. and then we started re- we realized that we were able to do it in a way where like we weren't in front of each other or whatever, yeah. and decided to, to to bust them off. I'm not I, I can't say that that's necessarily I'd some recommend to some something I'd recommend to everybody. Right. I guess it's it's unique to everyone's in situations. I know you know I'm completely isolated. I live at home. He's completely isolated. He yeah. lives at home. Like you said, same deal. We've been tested, but right. can't I, I wouldn't necessarily say like recommend to others like hey take your masks off or yeah, anything go, like that go have band right exactly um, but uh, there's ways to do it for sure yeah and you and again you guys have a, a larger space where you can actually be like pretty far apart if you need to yeah it's i actually believe it or not i brought the uh i brought my uh my stingray approved wireless unit over there so i could move as wherever i need nice. to and not be not be tethered so i guess that's a little little safety uh social distance tip get a wireless if you ha- don't you have go. one and that way you can really <laughs> be super far away from each other whenever you need i don't know it's weird like i do still i'll be honest i like because we've been going in on sundays and tuesdays for the last couple weeks uh-huh. and like i feel and part of me feels a little guilty in some yeah. ways like i like i don't know that it's like it's not like we're doing anything inherently unsafe but it's still different than just like the the staying at home all the time every yeah. day thing that i have been doing so there's a little bit of guilt there but also i'll say it absolutely has totally improved my happiness and my just general mood yep. because of it. I feel so much. I miss, dude, I just missed. I it's really like working out, it. man. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. you just your body physically misses it, you know, and your mind misses it, you know? Yeah. I, and I feel like we, man, I, I don't even know what episode that was. We've been talking about like wanting to get back in for weeks now. And yeah. then now that we've actually done it, it does feel pretty good. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. And, uh, you can't really explain <sighs> it, you know, if, uh, I mean, you know, I, I feel for people who are, who are not doing it. Um, like you said, I wouldn't recommend it to everybody, but if you feel like you can, you can be safe and controlled, uh, and you know you got to hanker in for some jams, you might have to might have to look at your options for that kind of stuff, you know. Um, yeah, and maybe you know record it or like make a little video or something. Yeah. To, like get get a little creativity out of it because I don't know. I feel it, and and because we've as we've been talking in bad fucking idea every week, like it doesn't seem like the live music thing is going to be coming back anytime soon yeah. and nor, nor necessarily should it. So we're just trying to find ways to be, to be creative and like refocus on, on making stuff. And, uh, and, and that's sort of like kind of changed almost the dynamic of what we were expecting out of this quote unquote band and, and turn it into more of just like a collaborative project built around the two of us with some guests every once in a while, rather right. than like we need to have the same drummer every time or the right. same bass player, or same keyboard player, or whatever. It's more just like, here's this collaboration here. Yeah, I love that. Do with the time that we have right now. Yeah. I love that, so maybe man. we'll have to get some Davy Davy bass on a track just yeah, to, love to keep the juices flowing. That'd be, that'd be fun. Yeah, I was gonna say like the the thing that I noticed, um, you know, particularly about last night was see I'm not I haven't been very motivated at home. I've been like learning covers and playing some acoustic guitar and stuff like that. I haven't been motivated to be like writing. I think I've written like one song since the lockdown. You know, which is like yeah. I, didn't, I didn't even finish it. You know, and. Um, and then you going were, there last... You had last... a little piano ditty, didn't you? Yeah, I, I did something. I don't know, probably. <laughs> you know, I've done a couple... I remember like, there was a piano tune. I've done a couple half things, but um, the thing that I've noticed... Yeah, maybe... Okay, maybe like two or three songs. But the thing I did notice was I felt kind of in a rut, like creatively, and then getting back together with those guys. I mean, I think we wrote like two songs last night. You know what I mean? Fuck so yeah, it's man. like... And, and just having something to work on with somebody else is, is so refreshing, man. I mean, it just, it really, it really felt good. 
It is really I, – I, dude, I completely agree with the motivating feeling. Like I have been writing a lot, but I haven't – it's been a different sort of motivation. A lot, frankly, it was a lot of like self-pity that the world doesn't even need to hear anyways. <laughs> uh, but I feel – I've been feeling this motivation to like – for this sort of larger creative project like we were just talking about where – Mark is going, he's not going to be around. He's got to go see his parents. And uh-huh. like, I think that he's maybe actually today leaving. Um, so he's not going to be here for like the next couple of practices. Okay. And so, but I still, f- nor- like, I feel like if we had done that back in March when we were kind of like a little stagnant, yeah. I would have been like, well, fuck it. I'm definitely not going in there. And now I know for sure I'm still going to go in by myself tomorrow. Yeah. Like I've got all this stuff that I, all these things that I want to accomplish with getting things set up and mic'd and moved around and doing some experimenting and, and all that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. Miking up the room, hearing what that sounds like. Uh, so, so yeah, you you do draw that that energy from. I mean, these are these are your collaborators, these are your friends, and your and sort of like chosen family in a lot of instances. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's hope. I think is what it really is. You know, you got yeah. it gives you a little bit of hope. So, um, you know, if, if for everybody listening who's who's you know debating whether or not to to do something like that, just you know, whether you do or you, whether you don't, you know, just hang in there. I guess. Hang in there. There yeah. there is hope for sure. Uh, man, that's, that's about it for this week. I think there, you know, I just want to quickly tease, uh, we'll have more to talk about it next week, but I've got a pretty exciting project that I'm going to be working on in the next couple hours here with a, with a pretty, uh, pretty, pretty cool old amp. Can we talk a little bit about it or do you, do you want to just wait? Let's just tease it. Um, we're going to, I'm, it's going to be, it's going to be involving doing a little profiling, uh, with a former guest Mm -hmm. and, uh, his, uh, his famous employer's amplifier. We'll leave it there. Ah, nice. All right. I like that. Cool, man. But uh, you know, if you if you if you're a, a princely person, in the meantime, maybe we'll talk about it. Next week. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> I realize that probably makes it sound more like we're talking about Prince, and it's definitely not. It's Prince. not Prince. Or maybe, no, maybe it's it not. is. <laughs> we have a little friend who knows Prince. No big deal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Hanging awesome, out at Paisley man. Park. No big deal, dude. Well, hey, great chatting with yeah, you. Yeah, you too, buddy. Uh, great episode. I always love the duo cast. I always love catching up. Um, and, uh, yeah, if, if, you know, I'm sure we'll be chatting over the, uh, the text messages, but, um, you know, just for me to you, to all our listeners, have a great weekend and, uh, be safe out there. Me too, buddy. Bye-bye. All right. Bye.